hearing noise or hearing nothing, that seems to be the two extremes that we find ourselves in each and every day. You either hear a lot of things or you hear nothing. It's like there's this white noise or this fan of life that's always going on with us. And like that might be your scenario, because I know that's surely my scenario, that sometimes we just don't hear anything at all because we've got families or we've got bills or we've got finances or we've got, uh, we've got uh, this thing or this thing on our schedule and we've got all these different things lined up that's competing for our time, that's competing for our attention. We've got school assemblies, we've got church functions, we've got toddlers screaming, can I get an amen? Like we've got a lot of crazy things going on in our lives and we just, like you name it, and we hear it. And sometimes we hear too much, so much so that it gets tough to listen. So this morning, and, and actually tonight, like uh, both this morning and tonight, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. So I'd love for you to flip with me in your, in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, because that's what we're going to be looking at uh, this, this morning and tonight. Uh, a cha- it's a chapter in the Bible, and, if, and if, if you've walked around the Bible a little bit, kind of know a little bit about what Exodus chapter 20 is about. Like most of us say, it's about the Ten Commandments. We say Exodus 20, and we immediately think the Ten Commandments. It's when God is speaking to Moses, and, he, and God, is, God says to him, hey, these are the ten, like if there were things that you needed to do, if there, were, if there was this understanding that you needed to have, then, then this is it. Don't do these ten things. Maybe do a couple of them. But like, don't, don't do these specific things. These are the things above all other things that you should steer clear from. But when Moses gets, when, when God gets done speaking with Moses, Moses starts to come down the mountain, and God makes a choice at this moment. He says, I, I want to speak to my people. It's like, I've been speaking with Moses on top of the mountain, but now I want to speak to everybody, uh, everybody in the assembly, everybody that's here, everybody that's on the, like, that's, that's there waiting for Moses to return. I want to, I want to speak to those people, to us. And then we're faced with a choice just like they're faced with. Like, do we listen or do we just hear? Do we listen or do we not? If you have trouble catching a breath in life, if you felt like, you know, I can't, I can't ever catch a break, I can't ever catch a breath, I can't ever make things stretch, maybe you, you, you look each month and you're trying to make things stretch, you're trying to make your calendar stretch, you're trying to make your finances stretch, you're trying to make your emotional bandwidth, like how much heart you have to give out to people in a given month stretch, if that's you, because I, I, I venture to say that that's probably a lot of us in here trying to make things work each month. And especially if you haven't sensed God moving you towards his good things recently. Like if, if you can't think of a moment, uh, a time, an, an inkling, a stirring in your heart, like something inside of you uh, in, in the last few weeks, in the last month that is moving you towards God's good things. Then this morning, we'll see something in Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 to 21, that that I think is going to revolutionize and radically change how you see things. And some of you sitting there right now are like, you know, if I think about it, I don't remember a time recently that I've heard God moving me towards one of his good things. This morning is for you. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. Follow along with me, if you will. All the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning, the sound of the trumpet in the mountain, surrounded by smoke. 
When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. There's just a couple words I want to, I'm going to hit on here for a moment. The first word is witness, that all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning. And we're going to talk about all the people in just a minute, but all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning of God. The sound of the trumpet, the mountain surrounded by smoke. It was amazing things. It tells me this, that God's movement is noticeable. If you've wondered, like, well, you know, where's God? Has He been moving in my life? Like, was that God speaking? Is that God moving? Is He, is he telling me to do something? Like, God's movement is noticeable. If you've ever wondered, was that God? Like, should I be doing this? Like, what is God? Like, if I were to sit down with you and buy you a cup of coffee at the Mockingbird after the 9 o'clock service, and, or after the 8 o'clock service at 9 o'clock, if I were to sit down with you and, I, and if I were to ask you, what has God moved you to do recently? Or where have you seen God working in your life recently? And you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that. Like here, all the people witnessed the movement of God. And, and, and God's movement is very noticeable. God's truth, consequently, is noticeable. If you look in your scriptures just a few verses prior, you see in verses 2 through 17, uh, absolute truth, absolute moral integrity right there. God lays it out and says, Moses, these are the things that are important, and I want everybody to see them, and I want everybody to know them. Like, this is a moral standard. This is a moral absolute here. God's truth is noticeable. In fact, moral standard comes from God, and any moral standard that does not come to creation from the Creator cannot be trusted, a trusted standard for life. I've had friends on, on social media recently that they don't agree with what I agree with about moral standard and moral absolutes, especially given where Mississippi and North Carolina are at the moment. There's pop bands and washed-up 80s singers that I don't pay attention to anymore that are saying, well, this is... This is what is morally right for us. And I'm, I'm thinking, no, 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 no. You don't understand because moral rightness doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from what we feel inherently. It comes from the truth of God. And so here it is. All the people witness these things. Um, they witness the thunder. They witness the lightning. Uh, lightning. They witness the, the, the movement and the sounds and, and all of these different stimuli. In fact, it says here that all the people witness. Now, what kind of people are we talking about? Are these all... Folks that followed after God religiously? No. Like I, I was looking in Exodus and I said, okay, these were the quote-unquote people of God. There was about two million people, men, women, and children that were part of this. And so, so were all, all of these people fully, 100% following after God every day? There's scripture in Exodus chapter 12 that, that reminds us that there was actually an ethnic, it was ethnically diverse, that there was a group of people that went along with God's people outside of the Exodus, outside of Egypt. They left Egypt with God's people and they weren't of God. And so we know in Exodus 12 that there's not folks that entirely follow after God here. We know in Exodus chapter 14 and also in chapter 19 that there were times that the people that followed after God kind of spat in his face and said, you know, Moses, I wish you would have left us here, so, uh, left us in Egypt so we could have died in Egypt. And so like, we know that if, you, if you're like, well, James, like, this isn't for me because, you know, I'm not like you, James, or I'm not like those people, or I'm not like uh, my Sunday school teacher. I don't, I don't come to church every week, or I don't read my Bible. That's not for me. I want to let you know that everything this morning is for you, and it's for me. And it's for Corey, and it's for the guys in the booth. It's for all of us in here this morning. All the people witnessed. 
And there was all this extraordinary stimuli. I mean, I just can't... If you've ever been to Disney World, you know what uh, external stimuli looks like. Uh, Disney has like, you know, five different points. I have a friend that's going in a couple days. They're leaving tomorrow night. I said, how are you going to drive through the night? He's like, we're just going to do it. I said, well, good luck. But, like, if you go to theme parks, they try to hit, like, like as many senses as they can... Uh, that you have in each of their uh, thematic elements or each of their theme rides or attractions. And if they're like, well, if we can get you to smell something that we want you to smell, if we can get you to think something that we want you to think or see something that we want to put there in your eyesight and like we'll flash a light right at the the right moment so you see a particular thing. If if you can hear, they're like, if we can do as many senses, hit as many senses as you can, like we'll just overload you and you'll find that it's the best thing that you've ever seen in your life. And here it is, God is sending thunder and lightning and smoke, and his, the, the sound of his voice is just roaring. But all of this ex- extraordinary stimuli was too much for these people. It says, when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at it like it was too much for them. They said, this was way too much for us. Too much noise, you know? Noise keeps us at a distance, doesn't it? Like if you've got too much noise in your life, it keeps you at a distance. You're like, I don't want to get near that. I don't, I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to be a part of that. I'm, I'm beginning to, to turn into like my, my grandparents because like at night when I'm putting Grayson to sleep and like I hear cars driving by my house. Like I don't hear the train. I have not heard Bay St. Louis train in ages because I live in Diamond Head now. Praise the Lord. But I... Uh, like when I'm putting Grace into bed and like I hear, like I can't hear cars pass by, but I can, I can feel them and I can hear what my, pa- my grandparents would call the boom-boom music. You know what the boom-boom music is? It's the stuff that like that rattles their trunks. Like they put these, they call them bazookas or cannons or, or like if they, if they want to get really technical with it or they get these humongous subwoofers. And I'm thinking there's no reason at 7 or 8 or 9 o'clock at night to have, I don't want to get near that noise. Because the times that I do want to get near that noise, it's not for godly purposes. Anyway, I have a question for you this morning. What is the noise in your life that's keeping you at distance from God? I want you to write that down, and I want you to wrestle with that this afternoon. What, what is the noise in your life that's keeping you at a distance from God? I don't know what that is for you. I honestly have no clue what that would look like for you. But what is the noise in your life that's keeping you from following God or from serving Him? From investing in others? Like, what, what is it that's keeping you from investing in other people? Like, what is it that's keeping you from living the right kind of way? Well, what is the right kind of way, James? I don't know what that looks like. Well, it's, 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 I can show you what that looks like. And I guarantee you that if you started to read the Bible five minutes a day, that you would see what that looks like. What is it? What noise in your life is keeping you from parenting properly or from serving Jesus or from investing in relationships? And the thing is, like, we need a distraction from all this noise, don't we? Like, like there's all this noise going on in our lives, and, and we go to work, and there's, and there's, you know, we had our boss saying this to us, and we had these emails come through, and we had these, these parameters or these hit points on the checklist that we had to hit, and we didn't get those, and then like we've got kids or grandkids or, or, or relatives or aunts or uncles, and they're all kind of pouring into us, and they're, they're wanting our attention and our time, and we get home, and what do we want to do most of the time? We just want to, guys, we want to sit on the couch, or we want to sit in our chair, and I just need a distraction from all this other noise that I've had in my life. 
I believe that's a limiting characteristic of humans that we need a distraction from noise. I believe that's a problem with us as human beings. And I mean, how sad, if, if, we go, if you go back to verse 18, how sad that people saw it. They saw all of the evidences of the movement of God, and then they trembled at it. They were afraid of it. They were scared of what they were seeing with God. They saw all these markings of, of God, and yet they didn't experience God for themselves. And that's probably some of us in here this morning. We see all of the markings of what God is doing. We see all of what Jesus is looking at and, and, and how God wants to move in our church and how he wants to move in your life. You are not here on an on accident today. You're not here just to take up space and to breathe this fine Bay St. Louis air. You are here on purpose this morning at about 8.35, 8.40 this morning so that you can be a messenger of Jesus. But look what happens in verse, uh, verse 19. They say, you speak to us and we will listen, they said to Moses, but don't let God speak to us or we will die. Like you, Moses, you speak to us. Like we've got all this noise going on in our lives and we don't want to hear from God directly. We want you to speak to God for us. Like as a kid, and I, and I, and, and, which is great, Michaela's in here, I'm going to pick on you for a moment. Our students and our student ministry know without a shadow of a doubt that I do not want them to, to take what I say at, uh, it, you know, as 100% gospel truth, what their parents say that the Word says, what any other pastor would say, that our students need to know what God says directly from His Word for themselves. Like, we cannot, like, when I was growing up, like, the children and the students and teenagers, like, we, whatever our parents said the Bible said was true. Whatever the preacher said the Bible said was true. And so there was no need for us to open up the Bible and look for ourselves. And so we'd get to school, and people who were a little bit more knowledgeable or a little bit uh, deeper thinkers than we were, they would start to unravel us. So it reminds me of the story that Matt preached a couple weeks ago. It was one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts where the demons jumped on uh, those, uh, those, group of Jewish, uh, uh, those, those group of Jewish people who were trying to preach in the name of Jesus whom Paul preached. And I don't know if you've read that story. It's in Acts chapter 19. I love it. And then all of a sudden, like, these demons like, well, we know Paul and we know Jesus, but who are you? Like, you're trying to take someone else's faith and make it your own. We need to hear from God for ourselves. But yet here it is, they're saying, you speak to us. Moses, we don't want to hear from God himself. We want to know what you think we should do. It's kind of, like, when I saw that scripture, and I said, you speak to us, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. That's kind of like, it's kind of like white noise. Like, you, you know what white noise is? Have you ever heard of white noise? Like some of you probably sleep with a fan at night, right? How many of you sleep with a fan at night? You've got a fan going on at night. All right, how many of you got like a noise machine at night? Like that's what it is. Like we've got a noise machine for Grayson. And, 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 and I did some research on white noise. The way white noise works is it takes all, it takes frequencies from all, uh, like a little, uh, little frequencies from all over the, the sound spectrum. And it combines them together to make what we call white noise. In, a, in other words, a way of putting it is like, imagine two people talking. And like you're just standing there watching two people talk. You can, you can probably pick out 
what one person is saying. Imagine three people talking. It's, it's a little harder, but you can imagine what one person is saying. You can pick out, oh, I think that's Arlie speaking. I think that's Gail speaking. You, you can hear that a little bit. But imagine a thousand people talking and you're trying to pick out that one voice. And all of a sudden it sounds like white noise. It's hard. Some of you probably struggled to hear me through that. Because when white noise is happening, it is so hard to pick out certain things. They say that white noise is supposed to help you focus, and in, a, in, in some sense, white noise does help you focus. It helps you look at just one specific thing, because all of a sudden there's a thousand things, and you're like, well, I can just, I can just try to gear towards one little thing. But it's a rarity in nature. Did you know that? They also have a thing called white light. You probably knew that, that there's a thing called white light. Take, uh, they take a uh, they take different light from, uh, from all, uh, all across the spectrum to make, and they combine it to make white light. It's a rarity in nature. They, they even have a thing that the scientists just found called white, uh, white smell. And so they take different scents from all across the, uh, the, 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 what you can smell, and they combine them together, and you, you would never know it. You never know it. Might, I, I don't even know what it smells like, because I read about it on the internet, so it's true. But when all the frequencies are together, you can concentrate on the, that one thing in front of you. But, but like when I look at, you speak to us, and we will listen. When I see that, here it is, all these people with all these distractions, with life, they have the distraction of work, they have the distraction of children, or families, or politics, or education, or bills, and there's lightning, and there's thunder, and there's smoke, and here's what they say, when all these distractions are coming, and they should be more easily focused towards God, instead they say, no, 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 we want you. Yet another distraction. And they didn't know it. Nothing will adequately substitute for God in your life. And I don't know what, what, what's going on in your life right now. I don't know if, if, if God is a huge priority, but nothing is going to substitute for God in your life. And oftentimes, these brief, temporary substitutions that we place in, 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 in the place of God, and we're actually going to look at that a little bit more tonight, but when you put something in God's rightful place and you put something else there, you know, I just need to put in a few more hours at work this week. I, I, I need to get a little bit more overtime this week. Or I need to like put a little bit more into this relationship or this friendship or this idea or I'm saving towards this or I, I just need, when you put a little bit more things into God's spot than God himself, these temporary substitutions become permanent solutions. And this is how Israel would hear about God from then on out. Like if you look in the Old Testament from then on, like from this moment on, Israel would begin to listen about God through other people instead of hearing from God themselves. So God's like, well, I guess I'm going to have to make prophets because apparently they're not going to listen to me. You've got access to me, but instead you want Moses. You want an imitation. And then like I see that like, but don't let God speak to us. So like, why wouldn't they want God to speak to them? Like, why don't you want God to speak to you? I want to put a few scriptures on, on, on here's just five uh, examples of how God speaks. Like this is how they had experienced God in the Old Testament. You see in Job 37 verse 5, God thunders with his voice wondrously. You see in Job 49, and can you thunder with a voice like his? You see in Ezekiel, uh, there's a couple spots in Ezekiel here, like the roar of mighty waters, like the voice of the Almighty. 
they say that his voice sounded like the roar of mighty uh, waters. And then you see in Revelation there, John writes, his voice was like the, was like the roar of many waters. Like they've seen and experienced God all across the spectrum of time that this is how God is, this is how God speaks, and whenever he speaks, it is scary. When God speaks, you can't help but notice. Like when God speaks to you, you can't help but notice. And I think that's ultimately why we're afraid to break through the white noise or the distractions or the imitations because everything changes when you hear God. That's probably something worth writing down this morning because I don't know if you've heard from God recently. I have no clue. I would love to sit with you and talk. I'd love, to shoot, I'd love you to shoot me an email this week and say, James, like here, here's how God's been working me this week. Here's how God's been working with me this month. Here's what, here's, what, here's what God was speaking to me recently. I would love to challenge you to email me and just encourage me on how God is working in your life. But I would imagine that some of you are like, do I have no, I have no clue? Because everything changes when we hear from God. And we are drastically afraid. We are dreadfully afraid of hearing from God. Because what if God tells us something that we don't agree with? What if God says, hey, I want you to go overseas? What if God says, hey, I want more of your money than $5 in the offering plate? What if God says, hey, I want more of your time than just one Bible verse a day? What if God was to say to you, I want more of your time than for you to come into church and to sleep? What if God says, I want more of your attention than you're giving to me? They say, well, we will die. You see in verse 19, if God speaks to us, we will die. Yes, things will change, and your way of life will be different. When God speaks, everything changes. You'll never be the same. If you can remember one idea this morning, it's this, that listening to God honors Him and keeps us from sin. Listening to God honors Him and keeps us from sin. So consequently, you can break that down. If I'm not listening to God, then number one, I'm not honoring Him. And if I'm not listening to God, then I'm probably sinning. Now, Another way you can break that down is, all right, well, I don't feel like I've been sinning recently, but like I haven't heard from God. Maybe I haven't been listening. Then you're not honoring Him. Like it's a, it's a beautiful equation that's scary, but it's also freeing when we actually look at it. Listening to God honors Him and keeps us from sin. Look at it in verse 20. Moses responded to the people. So they say this, and Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid, for God has come to test you. So you will fear him and will not sin. Fear can help in kind of keeping us from sin. Like if you're a parent in here, then you probably invoked fear into the lives of your children. And you're like, if you do this, I'm going to spank you. So, you know, like, you, I don't know what you do. Like I know it's crazy at our house, but like I don't know what you did. But like fear sometimes helps keep kids from doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. Fear can be unfortunately a motivating factor. However, the goal isn't to be afraid of the consequences, because when we're afraid of the consequences of God, like when we're like, oh, I'm afraid that God is going to smite me, then all of a sudden, like, we get this negative view of who God is. And maybe you're sitting in here this morning, the reason why you haven't been listening to God is because you've got a negative view of God, because somewhere down the road you thought that there's this God of the universe who always wanted to put his thumb on you, or he's always going to paddle you. And he gives you this negative view of God. And so here when Moses says, don't be afraid, I think the goal here, 
that when Moses says, don't be afraid, is, is that the goal here is to honor God. I want you to be in reverence of God, to be in awe of God. Our problem is not listening. In, in Luke chapter 9, it's the transfiguration of Jesus. All of a sudden, he brings his, a few of his close buddies up on top of this mountain with him. And all of a sudden, he changes. And all of a sudden, they're like, whoa, we get it now. And, there's, and then all of a sudden, God says, he says, listen to this. He says, this is my son. It says that his voice thunders. And he says, this is my son. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. And so going back to verse 20 here, when it says, don't be afraid. For God has come to test you so that you will fear him and will not sin. Now those are two different words in Hebrew for afraid and the word for fear. But both of them carry the idea or the underlying meaning, the underlying meaning of having reverence for God or having uh, a respect for God, having a, an awe of God and to worship him. Coming back to the heart of worship, listening to God honors him by giving him the time and priority that he deserves. I want to ask you another question. I'm just going to get in your business for a moment. And you can shoot me an angry email later. Let me get in your business. Here's a question for you. What kind of time do you allot for God? What kind of time do you allot for God in your life? Well, James, I give him Sunday mornings for about an hour. Or an hour and 15 minutes if the preacher goes long. And maybe I go to Sunday school too. Like, isn't that enough that I give to God? Isn't that enough time that I give to God? Maybe, maybe you come on Wednesday nights. Congratulations, it's great. It's like not attending more things won't make you closer to God and help you to listen to Him better. It's not attendance that's going to help you do that. It's you giving Him your time each and every day because the breath that's in your lungs is borrowed anyway. It's not yours. God's going to get it back from you one day. I'm excited that one day God will get my breath back from me. And then I'll get to be with Him forever. Because that's what I'm living for. It's not my breath. It's not your breath. Listening to God honors him by giving him the time and priority that he deserves. How does the white noise you allow in your life? Here's another question. You can write this one down. How does the white noise you allow in your life help or hinder your ability to listen from God? How does the white noise in your life how does the white noise you allow in your life help or hinder your ability to listen? Like not just hear about God or hear from God, but to listen. Men, you, you probably get it. Like we've, we get in trouble. Like our wives are like, hey, are you listening to me? And you say, I hear you. You have no clue what they said. I mean, women, you already know that, so it's not a big deal. Like you know that. Not hearing from God, but listening to God. One of the saddest statements I've read in Scripture recently is this next sentence. And it's, it's our last one this morning, and then I'm going to close with a couple more questions, and then we're going to be done. But this, one of the saddest things that I've read in Scripture recently is this very next thing. Because like, if listening to God honors Him, and it keeps us from sin, then verse 21 becomes horrifically prophetic word for the Israelites and for you and I today. Listen to, to, to what it says. And the people remained standing at a distance. Man, the people, like, I, I saw that. And I'm like, I can't. Okay, so here it is. God's like, hey, I want you to cut through the distractions. I don't want you to have imitations here. I don't want you, to, like, I want you. And Moses like, don't be afraid. And you would think all of a sudden the people are like, yes, Moses, you're right. We should listen to God. We won't be afraid. We will worship him. But instead, they remained at a distance. 
They didn't shift around. They didn't start to debate, well, you know, is Moses right? Or should we change our lives? Like, you know, what the preacher, what the preacher was saying, like, should we, like, struggle with that? Like, I don't know, like, maybe, like, what he said today, like, really makes sense. And, like, maybe I should change the way I live. Or maybe I should start to read the Bible more. Or, like, maybe I should start to listen to God, most important. Like, they didn't do any of that. And maybe this morning you're going to leave and you're not going to do any of that. And they remained at a distance. They didn't hold a vote. They didn't talk about it. They didn't consider it. They didn't murmur. They just, they just simply remained. If you choose not to draw near to God, a distance is going to be created between you and Him. And, and like that's, maybe that's not you. Maybe that's your friend. But like if you don't listen to God, you're going to create a distance between you and Him. And eventually it will feel as if God's too far away. I want to read you a scripture real quick in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 30. Actually, you, won't, you don't have to flip there. It's a parallel story of this. And we're going to look at it a, a little bit more in depth tonight. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 30, God hears this from the people. And he sees that they're going to remain for, at a distance. And so God's like, you know what? Fine, whatever. Go back to your tents. Go back to your comforts. Go back to whatever makes you comfortable in life here. Go back to whatever makes you comfortable in your pocketbook. Whatever makes you comfortable in your schedule whatever comfortable lifestyle that you choose to live, whatever makes you comfortable. God's like, go back to that. Go back to your tents. But I'm going to speak with Moses. You don't want to get close to me? Fine. This just came to me. It's, It's not in my notes for tonight. I hope I remember this. But, man, the decision that they make now in this Scripture becomes deadly for them and eventually will lead to their, their demise. I want to talk to the one who wants to talk face to face with me. And so you see there in the rest of verse 21, and the people remained standing at a distance as Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Moses is like, I'm going to go to where God is. He approached God. Listening to God honors him and keeps us from sin. Like Moses went to meet with God. He's like, I don't care about the rest of these people who are choosing to stay at a distance from God. Like, that's on you. I'm going to go and I'm going to meet with God today. And, and, And what's really crazy As the white noise of life gets louder and louder, Moses could still honor God. We see that over and over and over in Scripture, that Moses approaches this thick darkness where God was, like this scary, luminous, like, I don't know where this is going to take me, but I'm going to follow God. I want to ask you a couple questions this morning as we close. And you're not going to like them. But what distractions do you need to turn off? in order to listen to God? Like, is it the distraction of distance? Is there something like, there's, is there a distance between you and God right now? I want to invite you to come to Jesus this morning. And some of you are like, dude, I gave Jesus my heart and my life years ago. That's great. But are you far from Him? Is there a distance between you and Him right now? If there is, then this morning, you need to get that right with Jesus. And you're like, Jesus, I need to come back to you. I need to follow after you. I need to read your word. I need to listen to you. Is it the noise of naysayers? Is there a group of 
people that you hang around with or associate with that are just constantly like keeping you from God or they're constantly tearing down your faith well you should probably pull away from them strengthen and go back with the word of God to them and say no this is what the truth is this is what God says I don't know where you are this morning but I know that we've all got distractions and I know that ultimately none of you in your right mind would want to have a distance between you and God so what do you need to do to fix that distance and to get closer to him. We need to listen to him. Will you pray with me?